1: Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
0: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love.
2: to mourn the loss of Blackpool fan, Tony Johnson, who lost his life in an incident following the weekend's game at Blackpool versus Burnley. No football fan should ever go to a football game and not come home. Our thoughts and prayers remain with Tony's friends, family, and the whole of the Blackpool football community. This is the Known and Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the No Name Never football show and podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and joining me this week is of course, well it could only be one person couldn't it, I am joined by our fellow panellist Charlotte Rigby because this week along with the world we are celebrating International Women's Day which took place on March the 8th and we are celebrating all of the women who work in football, enjoy football and just have football as being part of their lives. So we've given the boys a week off. It's just me and Charlotte at the helm today. We've booted off our opposition view to social media and we've also given Statman Dave the week off as well. and, And bless his heart, he's given us all the facts and stats that we need ahead of this weekend's EFL fixture at home to Wigan. So it's girls' night in. Let's get going. Um, Charlotte, we are, of course, going to look firstly at that result away at Blackpool. Um, Extended the unbeaten run to 15 games, but it does mean we lost our streak of scoring in every game. That 32-31 game streak came to an end. Uh, But Claret's still top of the league, a nil-nil draw. It's a valuable point away from home. Puts us on 77 points after 35 games. There's only 11 games left and we are sitting at 17 points clear of third, 10 points clear of second. We've scored 68 goals, which is the most goals scored in English football. Despite a frustrating 1-1, Charlotte, please can we start by saying that job is now done. It's going to be an inevitable return to the Premier League. I know I keep saying this, but nobody's taking me on.
3: I think it's because we're all still superstitious. But I'll let you have it, you know. If you want to believe that, that's fine. Yes, <laughs> For thank me, you, Charlotte. I don't dare say it out loud yet. Well, that's fine. I'll let you have that. Uh, yeah, it was a frustrating one at the weekend. We've got to say, like we said, there's not that many much that happened. Not that many talking points. Um, I think the first thing is I've got to say sorry because I, uh, I pretty much told Blackpool what to do you know, in order to not let us pass to the Oh, last Charlotte. Um, what are you I doing? Told them, yeah, I told them to play like Fleetwood had, um, play completely opposite to how Huddersfield had, basically it'd be impossible to get past play every man behind the ball, which is what they did. Um, and that seemed to have worked beautifully for them. So I'd just like to say ahead of Wigan that the best way to get points for us is to put every man in front of the ball, play forward and leave stuff so, wide open. Uh, well,
2: okay. <laughs> let's, let's not reinforce the error, Charlotte, for goodness sake. If we're admitted, no, we did, a mistake. Complete it. complete off this time. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, yeah, seven, you talk about a frustrating game. 78% of possession, 13 shots to their six. Uh, we They got zero on target at all. And we had 697 passes to their 196. Um, it's a bit of a funny one, isn't it, really? It was quite an uneventful game. And I think it's fair to say that by the end, we'd run out of steam a little bit and run out of ideas. And, and it was a very spirited and quite disciplined defensive performance. And like you say, we've come across this before. Um, it's hard to sort of say, has Burnley lost its spark a little bit um, in front of goals when we've literally just put four past Huddersfield? Um, I, I don't... I, I, I guess losing Josh Brownhill so early on didn't help, but what what do you think our strikers can do and our wide men can do to break down when we do have that really stubborn, resilient defence.
3: I think we really missed Matson and Benson at the weekend. Yeah. And I think that might have been the difference. Um the team that was out there, fantastic team. Um, but like we were saying against uh Fleetwood, it was very much trying to get yourself through the middle, that type of thing. And your wide men weren't weren't Manuel Benson. And he just mm. has that kind of spark at the end that it never and same with Matson, they don't give up in trying to get it in there. And I think that was the difference for us. Um I don't think we've necessarily lost the spark in front of goal at all. Like you said, we we put four pass before um we put us field and um we've had these draws previously as well. Uh so I don't think it's necessarily losing it. I just think we missed them and we missed being able to Vincent Company likes the options off the bench, and I think yeah. he this being able to put something different on, um, which would have been your Matson, your Bensons. I mean, Matson would have started anyway, wouldn't he? And yeah. uh, he kind of makes that difference in um, the lads at the back. Obviously, run up front and things like that, but they tend to stick very much through the middle. Um, where I think we did miss Matson up on the wings. Um, and if we could have had either of those two, I think it could have been a very different result.
2: Yeah, that's right. Now, it, um, Benson, of course, being one of three players this week, we've been told is in the team and already training along with Jay and Taylor-Harwood-Bellis. Um, not quite as as um, positive news for Brownhill, although better than we thought it was going to be. Uh, Brownhill is apparently going to be back with us after the international break. And I think when he hobbled off um, after falling on that Astro pitch at the side of the, the football um, pitch at the weekend we thought it might be an ACL and it might be gone so that's um, that's good news um, I also I think this I don't know whether I don't know if it's fair to say that with the job so well done and it looking like it's just a matter of time before we get promoted I, it doesn't strike me that the Clarets have sort of taken the foot off a of gas a little, little bit. So I don't believe that a Vincent Company side would do that. And I do think they'll probably want to go for the record where they can. Um, do we just think it's just literally a case of it's coming to the end of a very long old season? That poor team is, is full of injuries. B- BK himself is getting frustrated, I think, with the number of injuries he's got. And if we can just really concentrate on our home games, then we might just have to settle for an away point.
3: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I don't like you say, we can't say that we've taken our foot off the gas when you look at the stats. No. <laughs> I mean the score tells you is one way of looking at it, but when you say you look at the stats and over six hundred passes, however many shots, you know. Exactly. Um, you can't say we've exactly taken it off. I just think we just needed that something different at the end and as long you know, in front of home crowds is different game altogether and picking up them three points at home is always great. And yeah, points away, um a that's how they say you win it, isn't it? Win at home and draw away, and obviously we want to go for that record. Everyone's wanted to do that record, but I don't want oh, yeah. that to become almost like a a burden almost to try and get to there. Because I feel like it'd be so terrible if we win the league, we get a fantastic points tally, and everyone goes, "Oh, well, it's not the record." That's not yeah. something I want to think about too much because I don't want that's that a to really be, good point to put a downer on the season. I don't want that to be the headlines. Um. Like we say, we have struggled with the injuries. There's a couple inch in, back in training, which you say are positive. I think Matson's available for this weekend as well, mm-hmm. um, which would be fantastic. So we're just gonna see how it plays out, I guess. And I, yeah, I don't want to think about that record too much because I don't want to don't want to put too much pressure on it.
2: Does that mean I'm banned from talking about the record since you've also banned me from talking about promotion and any talk of a title as well?
3: Are <sighs> you allowed to talk about promotion? Um, title, mm, record, oh. off the books at the moment.
2: <laughs> okay, all joking aside, we are 10 points clear of Sheffield United and there are only 11 games left. So they've got to win four on the bounce and we've got to lose four on the bounce before they even draw level with us. We've We've lost two games all season.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How, how... Even if they, even if we draw every game and they win, I don't know if they catch us. Like, come on, give me some time Yeah, hope, it's girl. not that
3: I don't believe it; it's that I don't want to jinx it.
2: Okay, that's fair enough. I will let you. Yeah, I let don't you want have
3: anyone that. to come back to me and say you were a jinx
2: no that's fair I, i'm used to carrying that burden and i get uh, i've had used <laughs> for about 10 years with my with my jinxing so i will carry that flag i'm all right i've, I've got i've got a um, i've got a thick skin when it comes to things like that I, i'm gonna have that um well let's move on then because uh there really literally wasn't anything else to talk about in the blackpool game it was a very unoffentful Lancashire derby but that's okay we've got a point we are going to concentrate this week on the next EFL Championship fixture, which a home game, Wigan Athletic, Saturday, eleventh of March, a three PM kickoff. Before we get into the nitty gritty about this game, we do, of course, have a quiz question we need to give you an answer to. Before that Blackpool game, we asked you the following: Prior to the current season, can you give us the names of all of the Burnley players who have scored goals after coming on as a substitute since New Year's Day, twenty twenty? Did you have any idea who this was, Charlotte?
3: Um, Not before seeing the answer, no.
2: <laughs> no, I didn't either. Well, the correct answer, everybody, was Mate Vidra. Just one, just the one player. Um, and he managed it on three separate occasions. So that was a little bit of a trick question from, from our Dave um, last week. He wanted you to tell us how many players had done it and can you name that person? It was a very hard question to read out without giving the answer away. give me a little bit of a challenge. Um, I don't believe I saw in any of our socials a correct answer from anybody. So don't be shy. If you stick around to the end of the show, you'll get another quiz question. And you can either drop your answer in the comment section in our YouTube video, or you can email us or text, tweet, post us at the usual channels. Charlotte, given that it is our International Women's Day celebration, you are playing the role of Dave Statman-Roberts this week. Dave has very kindly given us all of the facts ahead of this game against Wigan. And I would like you, Charlotte, please, to kick us off with the Championship head-to-head.
3: Now, I must say I'm feeling very nervous about taking on this role, so I'll I'll give it my best. Go on, Charlotte. Right. So, Burnley and Wigan Athletic have only been in the same league for a total of 11 seasons. This is not too surprising, as although the Latics were founded in 1932, they only gained their Football League status as recently as 1978. Just four of our 11 seasons together have been at this level, and so there are just three past matches to look back on at this time, with Saturday's match being the fourth. In August 2003, Peter Kennedy and Nathan Ellington scored the goals as the visitors came away from Turf Moor with all three points in a 2-0 win. The following season's match took pay- place in late December 2004 and was a rather controversial occasion. Wigan Athletic had made no secret of their desire to try and sign Burnley's star player and current club captain Robbie Blake, unsettling the player in the process. Their manager, Paul Jewell, was public enemy number one when the teams met at Turf Moor. Burnley had already rejected several offers and as a result, Blake wasn't selected for this match and joined Birmingham City soon afterwards. It was the man who captained the side in his place, Graham Branch who scored the only goal for the Clarets in an unexpected 1-0 win against a side who were flying high towards the top of the table. Our pass didn't cross again at this level until the 2013-14 season for what was this week's memory match. After winning away at Blackpool on the Good Friday, Burnley faced Wigan Athletic at home on the Monday. First half goals from recent signing Ashley Barnes and a free kick from Michael Keitley sealed a comfortable 2-0 home win, which also confirmed Burnley's automatic promotion back to the Premier League. The main match headline in the Burnley Express read, Let the Premier Party Begin as Claret Seal Returned to the Big Time, and who can forget the scenes as Burnley fans raced onto the pitch after the final whistle? In summary, our overall home record in the second-tier home matches against Wigan is played 3 won 2 drawn none and lost one.
2: Lovely! Hey, I'll tell you something, Statman Dave better keep an eye out for his job there. We girls are talking <laughs> over. Thank you, Charlotte. That was fantastic. Some interesting stats in there. Um, we're going to move on to our second feature in our build up to the Wigan game. And that is, of course, our wonderfully popular celebrity fan feature. Now, before we get into this, Charlotte, and without cheating, could you have named any famous Wigan fans before Dave gave us his shortlist?
3: No, not no. at all. I'm absolutely rubbish with celebrities, even worse at knowing who they supposedly <laughs> support.
2: <laughs> I kind of like that about you, actually. I like that you're not drawn into the world of celebrity. Well, we didn't know any either, so Dave had to do a little bit of digging here, which uh, does worry me a little bit as to whether Wigan Athletic will join their league status in our None and Ever table as well. But here is the shortlist brought to you by Dave. Coming in at number one, Richard Ashcroft, the singer and lead singer of The Verve. At number two, Kay Burley, the broadcaster for Sky News. At number three, Stuart McCorney, the author and radio broadcaster. At number four, Philip McKinley, who is an actor and played Anguy the Archer in Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> and finally, coming in, we've only got five this week, coming in at number five, Paul Rowley, political journalist and broadcaster. Now, just in case it's not obvious that we were struggling to make up the numbers this week, the sixth... Oh, actually, it does I've got six names. Sorry, listeners. The sixth and final name is Crusty the Pie, Wigan Athletic mascot, who is shaped like a massive pie. I'm not having that. So Dave Roberts is pretty strict with his rules. He shouts us and tells us that owners aren't allowed to be on the celebrity fan list, and they they have to be living fans. Um, those fans who have since left us uh, can no longer be on it. But we're allowed a mascot. We're allowed a pie. I, I guess so. A
3: giant pie. I'll I- take that. I mean,
2: listen, he's he's already, the giant pie is already my favourite celebrity fan on that list. I'm just going to call Dave Roberts out here now for his rules that just confuse me every week. I never know which way he's going. Um, <laughs> Let's stop this silliness. We, of course, have got to rank our uh, Huddersfield Wigan celebrity fans, Charlotte, out of 10. 10 being absolutely fantastic and one being quite poor. Where do you rate them?
3: I don't really know them. I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I guess that takes I, listen, that one out of the occasion.
2: The Game of Thrones actor, you do I think I watch the whole of Game of Thrones and I have no idea who he's talking about. I suspect that might be um, in a very small part.
3: That makes me feel a little bit better. You must know Kay Bailey. Yeah, I do I do know Kay Bailey. I think that's the only one I do know. If the list was Krusty the Pie and Crusty the Pie only, then it would have been a solid ten. Um so I think that definitely brings up my rankings to a strong three a strong three a strong three yeah I don't know I don't know the rest really and the pie brings it up to three
2: well I'm gonna overrule that I think because I do have a role of moderator in this league and given that Kay Burley is absolutely fantastic and obviously um Crusty the the, Krusty the pie is amazing I'm going to I'm going to rank them a little bit higher than that I'm going to give them a five I think I think that's probably fair just mainly because I know who some of uh, Wigan's competitors have had that got twos and threes and their list didn't have Kay Burley on it it didn't have Crusty the, the big massive pie on there either so uh, Wigan fans we're going to give you five out of ten for your celebrity fans um moving on then we'd need to give you some information as to who's refereeing the game at the weekend it's going to be John Busby of Wallingford in Oxfordshire and he's going to take charge of the weekend's match at Turf Moor his one and only previous Burnley match was our one nil away win at Coventry City which was earlier in the season when Nathan Teller scored that winner and ended our draw of our run of lots of late equalisers if I remember correctly. Uh, So far this season, he has been appointed as referee for 24 matches, of which 16 were in the Championship, and those 24 matches have resulted in three penalty awards, two dismissals and 84 cautions. We are also hoping that he has a relatively quiet afternoon at the weekend. I'm not sure I'm loving those stats, Charlotte. That seems to me that he's either got zero control of the game and go silly, or is way too strict and he's not gonna like some of our players so let's see what's happening um what are your thoughts then charlotte home 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 game we're gonna currently in the relegation zone and to be honest look like they are going to be going down to League One with Rotherham and Blackpool. They currently sit, I think, six points um, clear of safety, albeit they do have a game in hand. Turf Moor is not a happy hunting ground for any teams this season. Um, you must be feeling confident. I know you don't want to jinx things, I know, but you still must be feeling pretty confident of a strong Burnley performance.
3: Yeah, when you look at it on paper, you're certainly going to the game feeling confident, especially when you've got the likes of Matson back. Um, you've got the likes of the other, back, other lads back in training as well. Um, we've had a, a break as well. A, a whole week. Oh, gosh, yeah. Imagine that. So they've had some time to recuperate, recover and and go at it again. And um, I've seen some lovely training pictures of them trying to train in the snow, which is always nice to see with these lads that probably aren't used to very much snow. Yep. Um, So getting used to that side of the game. But no, you've certainly got to think that you, there's only one way the game's going to go at the end of the day. Um, I'm hoping that After playing a couple of teams that are very similar in styles in showing it from the back, you know, having a very strong defensive um, style that we've kind of worked on that over the last week. You can imagine Vincent Kompany has been planning for that outcome again because we'd imagine that's the way they're going to play, especially after the reverse fixture um, where we put so many goals past them. They must be pretty cautious about the defending. Um, So you can see it being... A little bit, I think, again, might take us a little while to get into it, get used to it, try and put the the passes forward, link them up and get them into the, the dangerous areas. But I think hopefully once we get one goal, we'll be very much on top of the game and be able to put a few more past them. Um, even if it ends up being a more difficult game like the likes of Fleetwood and like the likes of uh, the Blackpool game, I'm hoping it'll go more towards the Fleetwood where we just batter them, batter them, batter them until they're absolutely knackered and then we can nick one at the end, you know. Um, because it really depends on how they're gonna line up against us and how they're gonna try and play this team as to whether we can put four or five past them or whether we'll be we'll be wearing them down for a one goal, um, three points, hopefully three points. Like you say, they're in the relegation zone. Um, you kind of think they might have the look of this is a game to, you know, damage management, that type of thing, and then go on to the go on to the next games that they've got coming up. Um, which I kinda hope that's the attitude they do take. Um, because it might play nicely into our hands at the moment with having Matson back. I'm hoping a couple of the lads where he said um are back on the training field and things might be closer then uh, what we're letting on, maybe we can sit on the bench, have a couple of substitutes that we can bring on that will change the game up a little bit, if needed. Um, But it'll be really interesting to see how we cope with another team that are going to have quite a solid defensive game. Yeah, I agree. Um, That certainly seems
2: how I would approach it as well. Um, they're on a minus 23 goal difference. Uh, I've just been checking that while you were you were filling us in on that Um which would suggest that they've got a leaky defence um, with our strike force being on it at home. Um, it could easily be another another four-goal four, four goal thriller. That would be excellent. I'm not going to predict that again because I predicted that Burnley would win 6-0 away at Blackpool and, and that didn't quite come off. Um, obviously, Brownhill's not going to be playing. We're not expecting him now until after the international break. So we're expecting, uh, to be honest, in a game at home against um, a relegation-threatened side like we, we saw with Huddersfield, I don't think you need uh, Cork, Brownhill and Cullen in, in midfield. I think I think that's a little bit overkill. Um, So it's probably a, 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 an OK game for him to miss. But assuming that we do go with Cork and Brownhill in the middle, do you play Zorori and JBG? Is that how you play it? Or do you with Teller and Barnes up front?
3: Yeah, I think that's probably where we'd go. Uh Cork Cullen, uh and J B G for certain. Um JBG doesn't always play the full ninety, does he? So we might have to switch no. around towards the end of the game. Uh, the likes of uh, on, and that type of bass, player. Yeah. Twine, yeah, um just to mix it up a little bit, but I don't see any reason why he wouldn't start Cork, J B G Cullen and Zorora in that midfield. I think that'd be the strongest team to go out with um yeah. with Brownell's injury.
2: You're still going with Barnes and Teller up front. You don't want to give um any of the new lads a go.
3: No, uh, Barnes and Teller. Um, it's a bit of a a proven one at the moment, isn't it? it mm. It's a great strike partnership. I don't know if we need to be messing around with it too much. Um, like we say, we have them options on the bench if we need to change it up a little bit. Um, they just need. I feel like the new guys just need to get used to things a little bit more. They need to settle in. Um, they is seem goal. to be. Yeah, Femby seems to be doing better now. He scored. Foster needs that first goal, um, to give him the confidence and to get him going forwards and up front, and to get a few of the fans off his back as well. I think, um, which we've noticed. Well, I've noticed on social media recently, which can't be very helpful for him in his mindset at the moment. Um, understandably, so fans are frustrated about it, but just got to see both sides, I guess. Um, but I don't see any reason why you wouldn't start Barnes and Teller unless there's things we don't know. Um, but for certain, I'd have them up front. I don't think that part of the team needs changing. Um, you'd look at Matson. I guess, comes back in. Phil. Um, so I'm guessing Bettino, maybe. Yeah. Um, he started at the weekend, didn't he? Um, so, I guess that would be a change as well. But I, I think up front, you pretty much stay the same. Good. I like it. Uh, score prediction then,
2: please?
3: Um, I'm going to go with 3-0. That just came to me then. I have no reasoning. It just the, the, appeared in my head.
2: There was literally no
3: no hesitation whatsoever. Yeah, it just came it straight just came out. It was me. amazing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um I don't know. I don't know whether to go silly again and predict 6-0. Um, but I, I think I am gonna go five-nil because I think that I think that they could easily do the same as they did with Huddersfield and, and do a 4-0. And it feels like at some point this season we're gonna beat that result and do uh, a biggest gap. You know, we haven't done a five goal. Um, deficit yet um, so I I, w- I think we'd like to do that and, and at home to a relegation threat inside this will be the last time we play one um, now I think Wigan we've played Huddersfield twice we've played Blackpool twice so oh no it's not Huddersfield it's Rotherham isn't it we might still have to play Rotherham actually but certainly at home I think this is the last one um So I'm going to say 5-0. I think this will be the one where we get our biggest margin. So there you go, listeners. They are our predictions. Uh, Now, Charlotte, do you want to finish off the preview this week with, again, stepping into Dave Roberts' shoes and giving us his very special stat of the week?
3: I certainly can. So... Including the win in the reverse fixture earlier this season, Burnley have only won four out of 24 past meetings home and away against Wigan Athletic in all competitions, which is one of the worst overall pass records we have against any opposition team. I don't really like the sound of that. (laughs) However, if we can manage to win this weekend, it would be the first time that Burnley have achieved a league double over the Latics following an emphatic 5-0 win in Wigan towards the end of August last year. In the 10 previous league campaigns, we're going to have done the league double over Burnley in three previous seasons 1984 85, 1997
2: 98, and in 2009 10. Excellent. Thank you. Don't be getting superstitious on me. Don't worry. It's just Dave's <laughs> facts. Don't worry. Um, Yeah, we'll know that, that. That's great. There's, there's a lot. I, I do love Dave's. Stats of the week. I always it's my favourite section of this show. I do I do love it. And for those of you who are watching our YouTube channel, you don't always get to see Dave's sections because he is still audio only. He's not come across to the to the video side yet, so we can't always drop his things in. So it's very nice to have Dave's features in the YouTube football show. So it's good to have him here. Um, an FPL update. Um, Adam Denny, our resident FPL expert, has given um, a separate social media um, update on the FPL in honour of our International Women's Day Festival. So we have a special feature for you instead. This is for just our podcast listeners right now. Our uh, watchers of our YouTube channel will see this in a separate format. But we reached out to the community and we spoke to three of our fantastic female Burma supporters and we asked them in celebration of International Women's Day what being a woman in football meant to them and this is what they had to say. So Amanda, what does being a woman in football mean to you?
4: Well, um, it started off as being a girl in football. Um, I come from quite a dysfunctional family back in the day, um, quite a, quite a tough upbringing, uh, working class, um, and I just got dragged along to a football game one day, and you know, all they were all saying at the youth club, going to the footy, going to the footy, and I'm like, yeah, 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 didn't have a clue what going to the footy was um, as a little 12 year old girl. And um, we got on the train at Bryan Field and got off at Burnley and then walked down Standish Street and towards, um, you know, from Burnley um, Central Station, walked down Standish Street through the centre. And, and all the time I'm thinking, where's this energy coming from? Where's this electrifying excitement coming from? And I could just feel it building and building. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And Then as we got closer and closer to Turf Moor, everybody was appearing in Claret and Blue. And I was just part of this huge movement, literal movement, because we were all just walking along. um, But felt like, a, you know, almost really, really got me. And then we went into Turf Moor and we went up the concrete steps and the noise and the energy that hit me at the top of those steps stays with me till this day. Um, and I still get that excitement now on match days and I, as it starts to build from like half two and I go out and watch them warming up and seeing everybody come into that stadium. It just brings it back to me every single time. And that belonging and that, um, that friendship and that uh, safe place is with me all the time whenever I'm at the Burnley game, surrounded by Burnley fans.
2: And I think the important point with that is that that feeling of belonging and that sense of family should resonate with any fan, regardless of gender, regardless of age, regardless of cultural or religious background. It should be inclusive.
4: Absolutely, it should. And and I think it's really interesting because when I speak to people who I don't know or I meet people for the first time, um, particularly in interviews sometimes when we're interviewing or I'm part of uh, a trustee for a number of charities, and we do a lot of social gigs and uh, project visits and stuff. I always try and get to know behind the, the the you know the the practice or the practice polished script, and I'll go. So, you what else do you do? What brings your passion? What what makes what fires you inside? Um, and I tell them about Burnley and, and my passion and Burnley football club and being a claret. Um, And I see their energy change. I see the light come on in their eyes. Um, And if they're a football fan, uh, again, regardless of gender, culture, creed, age, there's a connection there. And it gives you that connection. It gives you that ability to cross all of those divides. Because you share that passion. and and, And it's not something you can control. It's not something you can dip in and out of. It's something that's in you. And it's been in me for 50 years. Um, and, and, and I see it in other people um, and it gives you that complete connection again across clubs as well there's the great banter and there's the great rivalry and all those uh, little uh, things that football fans have but ultimately it's that connection that keeps us all together and the love of football and, and in particular for us, Burnley and the Clarence.
2: Do you... Do you ever feel challenges when you're watching football as a fan? Um, sometimes,
4: sometimes, um, but it's usually overcome after a few minutes of discussion. Um, Ex- give me some so, examples. So you know, they might people might say, "Oh, do you go to watch Burnley?" And I go, "Yeah, I go to watch Burnley." Or, um, "What did you What did you think of?" Uh, you know, um, a goal or a decision or a refereeing decision or a foul. Um, and then when you start to have that conversation and people see the credibility of your opinion, they absolutely go, oh, oh, actually, you do know what you're talking about, don't you? Oh, wow, you are into it, aren't you? So it's almost like this perception that you're a fan because you like going. And then it, it sort of widens into actually now she knows what she's talking
2: about she has something to back it up with. Does that and not frustra- like- Does that not frustrate you though because Hell yeah yeah you ask yeah. a male football fan about his opinion and he has he is just allowed to be a football fan because it's part of the expectation in his DNA but if you want to be a football fan as a woman you almost have to have well I'm not just allowed to like really? it I also have to to justify it. Yeah, you have to back it up and you have to prove it. And so it makes me laugh sometimes, you know, I get a little
4: chuckle to myself and I'm almost expecting, like, I expect it now sometimes. Um, and I can see this pattern of the, the, the engagement, the politeness, the, the, you know, the sort of um, um, the, the superficial chat about football in general. And then you might start to have a conversation about something specific or detail or rules or legality or challenge or whether it's valid. And then you get the recognition and, and it and I have a little chuckle sometimes because I think, oh now, now they're interested. Now they believe I can have a conversation. Now I've got some now I've got some value of contribution rather than just I wear the scarf. And it and it does it, it me off sometimes i know you probably can't print that or or but it, and i just think why do i have to back it up all the time why is why is my opinion not just as valid as everybody else's without that um confirmation of well i'll just test you first to make sure that you've got you know you, you know the offside
2: rule or probably don't know since they've changed it because it confuses the hell out you. Does anybody know the offside rule? That, <laughs> you don't know the offside rule cannot be thrown at women anymore because nobody knows the offside rule because exactly. there is one anymore. Exactly. Um, final thoughts from you then, please. What would you like to see going forward to build on the progress that's already been made to make football a more inclusive and safe environment and an enjoyable environment for female fans?
4: Um, I think it can only do, be, be done by more exposure um, and things that have happened uh, in the news this week about girls getting football at school, PE lessons being made mandatory part of the curriculum. When I was at school, you had two double PE lessons every week, whether you liked it or not. Yeah. And you went out in the snow and did cross-country and you went out onto the all-weather pitch and did hockey and and netball or whatever. There was no choice. You had to do it. And I just think the fact that there's got to be campaigns and um, lobbying and and politics and, and constant pushing for governments to get it back onto the curriculum, it's almost like we've gone back 50 years. So I think it's got to be right from the very start. Girls need to know that at school they're going to be able to play football, rugby, cricket, rounders, netball, whatever. It needs to be mainstream. It it needs to be accepted across the board. Shouldn't be enrichment. Shouldn't be after-school activities or volunteer, you know, after-school clubs run by parents. It should be right in the middle And every single girl's upbringing from the minute they're going to school. And then once that happens, the whole of the rest of the sporting world and, and, um, you know, other clubs, it will just become the norm. And it's only once it becomes the norm will it be acceptable for us as women to go, yep, we go to football, yep, we play football, yep, we know stuff about football. Um, But it's got to start with girls and it's got to start from, you know, three years up um, and it's got to be on everybody's agenda and in everybody's forethought But it shouldn't be a special circumstance. It should just happen organically
2: like it does for
0: boys.
2: So, Emma, why don't you start by telling us what it means to you to be a
1: woman in football? So I think the one thing I've meant is that it means community. It's about coming together on uh, a match day, certainly for Burnley, not just the people who support Burnley, but the whole town really does have that special atmosphere of feeling like everybody's behind the club, everybody's heading towards the turf. But unfortunately, I think for me, you can feel quite isolated as a as a female supporter. Felt that really, re- actually this season. Um, last season, uh, me and Stuart, my husband, had a season ticket in a different stand. We've been there for years. And actually, it was me it was brilliant because pretty much everybody that was around us were mum and daughter um, and over the years we got to know everybody. Uh, I've moved now this year to be up near my family, up near quite male dominated, yeah. directly with my family because I've moved to the lofty gods of the James R. Greaves Upper so I got as close as I could and reminded me of how Sometimes you can feel quite because I'm now sat in a sea of men, none of whom talk to me, but there's no interaction with me. Um, to stop people when they get getting animated and they're like, I'm having to shrink myself and make myself smaller in my seat because they're they're jumping up and getting in the way. And I have to be the one to stand up and go, Hang on, there's a person here, calm me down. And thankfully, most of them have kind of gone, Oh, I'm really sorry, love. Just highlighted to me that actually we still need to do some work. I mean, in football as a supporter like how we look out for each other and how we can look out for other female supporters in the club because it, it can be quite intimidating because I know it, it doesn't always feel like that that it can be something that is connecting and uplifting and those moments when it's in goal going and everybody's up on their feet and you know you sense of community and you feel like you belong to something bigger than yourself and I've had some really, like I said, I've had some really fantastic years where that was, because I was surrounded by women, that was my match day experience every day, like every match I went on. Um, and it's it, after so many years of, of being involved with the club, it's it's been a bit of a shock to the system this season. Actually, that's not my match day experience. And who else isn't feeling that? Like who else has got a match day experience like mine is now? the conversation I miss the conversations who do you think's responsibility it is to
2: make that match day experience more comfortable for you is it the people who sit around you is it an awareness from the fans is it the
1: club is it you what do you need to be able to get that feeling back I think I think it's a a mixture of all three I've got a big enough gob on (laughs) me I'll be the one to you know like I said when I was feeling intimidated I'm to go, oh, what what do you think you're doing? You know, I will try and engage people in conversation around me. So if somebody's having a conversation, I'm cheeky enough and brash enough that I'll be like, yeah, but what or you know, somebody will make some ridiculous comment and I'll go, that's not fair. He's only, you know, you're being overly critical and look at Y and Z. And I feel like I can do that. It's well received. Um, sometimes it is, sometimes you what do you know anyway? And it's oh. like <laughs> And it's it's hard not to that they're asking that purely based on the fact that I'm female. Do you think you're held <laughs> to a
2: higher bar? Do you think you're expected to prove your knowledge and your commitment to football more than a man does?
1: Absolutely. How? Yeah, absolutely. How? I think we are expected to have strong opinions on everything. I or oh, I feel like you can't make you can't make a pass somebody's ability or on something somebody's done without then being asked to justify it or it's always counted with it, it almost feels like it's quite often a bad faith argument mm. that you'll make a comment either unrelated or completely like like that's nothing to do with what you've asked me but yeah you are you are held I have I have lost count of the amount of times I've been asked to explain the offside rule nobody
2: knows the offside rule anymore the refs don't know what the offside rule (laughs) is which is generally my response I'm like I can't get it right then I'm never going to get it right no I hear that so what in terms of the future fan experience what would is there anything that you think we as a football community can do better to increase the
1: enjoyment of football for female fans I'm going to be honest I wouldn't know where to start it's about changing male supporters' mindsets and attitudes. And it's much about the like the women need male allies in male-dominated spaces. And I'm not talking about white knighting. The men who don't accept our viewpoints and listen to us will only listen to other men. So what we need is we need those people who they respect to go, oh, shut up, what she's saying is valid. So they need to amplify our voices and be seen to be acting on things that we say their peers go oh hang on if this person i respect respecting this woman then maybe i should too unfortunately that's what that's what we need we need male allies allies to stand up challenge when you see men in a woman's personal space for example and you see it rush outside the ground we're all trying to get out um or we're all trying to get in the concourse but there are times when people have genuinely stood to and then when i say can you can you just take a step back or hang on you know you're a bit close or get out of my pocket not literally obviously but you no know, they look at you as if well I won't do anything wrong I'm like well i feel uncomfortable I could feel you touching me there isn't a need for that you know so if you're with a mate and you see him standing there too to, o'clock, it might make her uncomfortable just pull him back a step unfortunately women can shout about equality and equity and for change till we're blue in the face if people aren't listening if you're not being listened to because you're a woman then sadly we need men to speak up for us as well and ideally the best way like i said the best way from start i'm not going to talk but i'm going to let i'm going to give this person doing something or i'm going to stop you as a weirdo from being too close to a woman or (laughs) going in the face because you're getting too excited and you happen to forget that there's a woman sat in the seat next it's things like that I think I think it needs the club need to make it visible and understandable that as important as men you know some of the club done everything is quite can be quite geared to men entertainment is geared towards the men and you know things like sportsman's dinners versus oh mother's day We are, you know, advertising, you know, sportsman's dinners and things like that. And then you'll get the talk and the club for Mother's Day or and things like that. And it's like make things more accessible. You know, realise that our supporters, our season ticket holders, you know, do want to get involved on every level, not just turning up. It's our family, it's our community and we want to be just as involved.
2: So, Ruth, what does... Being a woman in football mean to you?
5: It's a huge part of my life and has been now for 14 years. Um sometimes I feel a bit of a fake because I came late to the party. Um and I'm not a glory hunter in any way or form. Um I simply watched Graham Alexander talk about a bunch of retrogrades and as beans after the Wembley match that I went to, after the Wembley match, and something clicked for me. Something about football grabbed me in 2009, and I joined the party then. Being a woman in football for me is especially pertinent because um, obviously you can see by my appearance that I'm not 20. (laughs) And women in football is a relatively recent phenomenon. So even so far as I have a 23 year old daughter and when she was at school, she wasn't allowed to play football either. You're talking about when I was at school, I wasn't allowed to play football. I wasn't allowed to play in um, mixed-sex soccer games or any other sports like that, and I did sewing and cooking at school back over in Cone and did that type of thing, and it's a big part. For me, women in football represents a big part of my um, feminist, uh, unashamedly feminist attitudes to life. I'll make no apology for being a feminist and I'll make no apology for being quite um, vocal about feminism in life. So that's um, part of my identity, my own identity in football.
2: Do you feel
5: included when you watch football, when you go to a match? Do you feel welcome? That's a really interesting question because I I perceive there's a slight shift. So when I first started coming on the turf, um, you you know, the season that we went up into the Premier League back in, back in the day, and um, I felt some resistant or resistant. I felt some. Uh, some reluctance by older men towards women being women being on the football I noticed some comments were made about uh, you know our knowledge about football or our understanding of football but I'm glad to say that's shifted and so when I come on the turf now and maybe this is because I've also created a social identity for myself with Burnley fans so I feel very much accepted now and I feel part of the people that all sit around me include me in uh, tactical discussion and in you know uh, to a large degree I think that I think that this uh, there is still is some some of this um engendered debate about women's knowledge and understanding of the offside rule and all that type of thing but I think um I think it's shifting slowly. So, yeah, I do feel I feel more included, but maybe some of that's me on of my own personal doing because I've I've put myself into, you know, I've networked into different groups uh, with people living over in Burnley. So, yeah. good Excellent.
2: What do you want to see from football in the next five years that will improve the fan experience for women, both watching the game and working in the game? Even further than the progress we've already made.
5: Oh wow! Well, it goes goes beyond women, of course. So whilst I recognise I'm a feminist, I think it goes it extends to the full. Um, understanding and appreciation and respect for diversity you know the thing that the the way that Ben me last season alluded to that was excellent um so I would like to see a sea change in that but I'm um, skeptical about that because I've, I've been around a bit and it's those changes are slow so but for women in the next five years I would love to see uh, a, a female football manager in a club in The league in the EFL or in my ideal world in the Premier League, maybe, you know, moving into an assistant manager position or moving into an actual manager's position. I don't think that'll happen in five years, Premier League. But um, and I'd like to see more officials, more female officials that aren't ridiculed. I teach over in the Gulf. And it horrifies me that I watch, I put BN Sports on over in the Gulf and those two ridiculous individuals who ridiculed a female official of being given employment over there. And that upsets me, not to say to say the least. But I'd like to see more of that. I see women are making inroads into physiotherapy and medical positions in clubs and in the Premier League too, and into you know into various positions. I'd like to see that coming forward more into actual uh, coaching staff. Um, and hopefully, with the success of the the, the um, women the UK female team, I would hope that that will progress a little bit more quickly than. Than I would have thought before, so yeah. For fans, um, I, ju- I would just I would just like broad base. It's a broad based approach. I'd like to see the you know a move towards more understanding of different people and how different people can be perfectly um, can can achieve perfect comfort coming and watching a game. Comfort, respect, value, and so on.
2: Okay, we're going to finish off the preview show then this week with letting our listeners have a fantastic quiz question. Let's see what little nugget young Dave has got for us this week. I'm not entirely sure whether... I'm just going to read my script now, see whether he's throwing me under the bus again and saying don't give the game away. But let's see what we've got for you. And those of you who like to um, submit an answer, I will let you know how you do that very shortly. Uh, This week's quiz question, Wigan Athletic's current captain... Is the former Clarets defender Tendeye Darikwa? I did not know this. Who only ever scored one goal in a competitive match during time during his time with Burnley? Can you name which team that was against? There you go, listeners. You know how to submit that answer. You can leave a comment in the comment section of our football show on YouTube. You can tweet us at None and Ever. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page, or you can email us at previewshow at none and ever dot net That is all we have time for this week. Um, We are looking forward to Burnley's um, cup, get, cup game no we've got a cup game shortly it's Burnley's EFL game at home to Wigan Athletic this coming Saturday um, hopefully another win for the Mighty Clarets and another step closer to promotion my thanks to Charlotte and all of our female guests who joined us in this International Women's Day celebration please do take a moment if you can to read up on the International Women's Day organisation's theme for this year it is embracing equity the idea is that it's not just a about equality for everybody it's about making sure that the opportunities that you give to a select group of people are also equitable um, you can find out all you need to know on their website um, or you can contact any of us we were always happy to talk about women's issues and join the cause thank you in the meantime for listening I've been Natalie Bromley this has been the No Near Never football show and podcast until next time the and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whittaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill, and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting no Our thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are as ever proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Norway,
0: never Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with muck delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
5: This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly
2: 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.